Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Richard, it seems today, now hear me out for a second, that all you see, is violence in movies and sex on TV. And I got a question for you. I wanted to know, where are those good old-fashioned values on which we used to rely? I can't answer that. I I have never heard these lyrics <laughs> in my life, AJ. What do you mean, lyrics? Uh, you're just talking you're just speaking truth that's all family guy is it is speaking truth (laughs) yeah family guy looks deep inside us and reveals i think what we're all thinking and as a society Mm. i think what we need to hear and what we need to hear is the bird is the word I didn't want to sing it. Welcome along, everybody, to Film Franchise Fortnites. My name is AJ. I'm joined by Richard. More like Film Franchise Family Guy. And every fortnight we watch a different film franchise. And as the fates would have it, uh, this fortnight we're watching Ted and Ted 2. The Ted franchise uh, billed as the first motion picture from the creator of Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane, who also voices the titular character ted before we get into it richard i think it's important to acknowledge a big part of our lives as friends and just as individuals together Mm. that i don't think was really introduced (laughs) as individuals together (laughs) well both i meant both it affects us both as a as as friends and as individuals regardless of each other because about two years ago maybe three years ago how long ago was it uh it would be two years ago so about two years ago you messaged me and you said i'm gonna get into family guy (laughs) i'm gonna become a family guy guy yeah uh and you did this at a pivotal turning point in i think anyway cultural uh or pop cultural perspective of shows like family guy well specifically family guy and <laughs> yeah. not really any other shows which is i feel yeah, I'm not like, like um, into american dad or anything no yeah i feel like that at about the same time you were like i'm gonna get into family guy there was this growing meme on the internet of pretending family guy is still funny right i feel like this was all you know all over the like post ironic zoomer internet mm. at the time it was things like you know well, it doing was all family over TikTok guy and, yeah yeah but i i think that it's interesting that as as i've documented in the last few podcasts we've done i'm no longer a family guy guy and i am now a scrubs guy 
and actually, I'm I'm toying with becoming a home yeah. improvement guy. I've started watching Crazy home improvement. Stuff. Crazy but the, stuff. The thing is that, like, I think, like you said, like the meme of me being a Family Guy guy is now culminating in Ted and Ted Two being covered on the podcast, and that's like how we're able to put a bow on this but i think that like the cultural meme of family guy like you were talking about peter griffin was just added to Fortnite the other day and i think yeah, that's still going but no 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 <laughs> to me that is like the meme hitting its apex ah oh, it's it's the oh as, as in it's going to die or that's a well, it, like do you think it's 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 a it is a death a death knell for peter griffin to be added to Fortnite? no i think it's kind of like the the meme has broken its glass ceiling and it's like, well, if we can get Peter Griffin added to Fortnite, let's move on to the next thing. And if, if I can get Ted and Ted two to be covered on film franchise Fortnites, <laughs> I'm ready to move on to home improvement. Amazing. Well, it's interesting because I think that like, it is a weird time to introduce Peter Griffin to Fortnite. I think. I think that the time passed long ago. Well, I, it's I don't been think a very long people running who meme. Play Fortnite. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think people who play Fortnite earnestly like Family Guy. I'll say that. I think. I, yeah, but I think people want to play as their favorite meme characters in Fortnite. They're not. Mm, they're not yeah, earnestly yeah. like I want to play as Eminem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, and look, I think this is all relevant and just endlessly fascinating to me because, first of all, you got into Family Guy and then the meme happened. So from my perspective, you just have tremendous influence on the rest of the world. Mm, I do. And cause, because the first instance I saw of this like ironically enjoying Family Guy thing was from you and mm. not from the internet. Uh, and then it just started following me around. There's a comedian I really like on TikTok mm. named, he goes by Zach Zucker on TikTok, but his name's Jack Tucker, I think. Yeah. Um, and he he is interesting to me because he is, uh, a lot of his set is based around asking the audience if they remember Family Guy and then breaking out into the theme song. Mm. Um, I watched a clip the other day where he sings the theme song like three times in a row and then the MC comes out um, and is like, oh, it's Family Guy. And then the theme song starts again. The comedian comes back out, uh, comes back out and starts singing with him. And it's all like, to me, it is about... Um, it's about something what's fascinating about it is that this was a show that was the cutting edge when mm, it came out yeah. this was a show that was the the height of satire the height of parody the the comedy that wasn't afraid to say and do things that other comedies were afraid yeah, to, to say, say yeah this baby's eating horse cum yeah sure as an example and in 1999 when family guy premiered i think that was very like that was the, that was the peak but now in 2023 we kind of make fun of people who think like who joke this way we make fun of edgy humor we we think it's lame we think it's it's try hard and you go back and watch early family guy or or for example ted one and ted two <laughs> yeah. and you go you go wow seth mcfarlane who for a long time especially when i was a young christian and we covered um a very atheist episode on on the patreon um for for a star trek film franchise follow-up a couple of months back 
and as as a young Christian, which I'm not anymore, Seth MacFarlane though Christian. was now now I'm now I'm an old I don't know what I am agnostic I guess. Um, mm. But Seth MacFarlane to me was the the face of like liberal progressive atheism when I was a Christian, mm. and now watching Ted One and Ted Two, I'm like. There was a time where liberals just weren't progressive, I guess, and it was, you know, like mm. it was this very specific time. And well, I would say I, that, look, that Seth MacFarlane and like Family Guy, the style of humor is very much like his politics lean left, sure, but he's mm. very much part of that school of thought of like we make fun of everyone. Yeah, 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 um, and. Boy, is it apparent in these movies, and I know we spent an eight-minute opening discussing almost the like intellectual. I like, think it's important to guy, put but... this episode into context because it is a very funny episode for our lives. Mm. Because I have, yeah, like you say, I've, I've somewhat ironically gotten into Family Guy <laughs> and subsequently ruined your life because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember being at a party and the Family Guy theme tune came on and being like, how is this happening? And like, Richard's not here. I didn't put it on. That means there's at least one other person at this party aware of the cultural joke that is prioritizing Family Guy. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and I've, like, I've definitely prioritized Family Guy in some times of my mm. life. The, I can't tell you the amount of times I was late for work. Because I was watching Peter and the Griffins. And I I think it's interesting, I guess, because um, if I was still doing video essays, Richard, mm. I reckon pretending Family Guy is funny would be my next big expose. Would be this exploration into... And you're like interviewing me about it. And I'm just like, yeah, I just exactly. think it's funny. I just think, and that's the amount of depth that we get the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. but but like, I, you, you do all this digging, you find out it's not the world pretending that Family Guy is funny to annoy you. People just find Family Guy funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will tell you, I, I can't remember if I told you this or not, but I saw a comment on TikTok that really, really pissed me off. <laughs> like, I still think about it, and it, make, it makes me so annoyed. It was a clip mm. from Family Guy, you know, with a gameplay under it or whatever and it was some i can't remember exactly of course like, i can't remember exactly what scene it was but it was some wacky adventure of the griffins and the comment just said family guy is so unserious and it's like yeah it's a comedy show like <laughs> but i i think i think what what gets at the heart of this is that when i was 10 I was allowed to watch The Simpsons all of a sudden mm. and got a very, very obsessed with The Simpsons. And then when I was 12, all bets were off. We were allowed to watch any adult animation, right? And so Family Guy from when I was 12 to when I was about 16 was probably my favorite show. And <laughs> okay. I, th I thought the first couple of seasons... Even at the time when I was still watching it as a teenager, I knew that it had passed its heyday. But I, I, fe I remember feeling like the first couple of seasons, probably pre-cancellation, was the funniest show I'd ever seen. It was doing jokes I didn't think human minds were capable of. You watch that first episode of Family Guy, there are some incredible jokes in the first episode of family guy and now it's like nowhere near as as clever i think mm. and it hasn't been for 15 years but yeah um 
I, I guess like to me what's what's all all interesting about it is is that this represents such a uh specific sense of humor and I am so familiar with Seth MacFarlane's sense of humor now. And while I moved on from The Simpsons to Family Guy, I eventually moved back to The Simpsons as being my preferred adult animation. And I'm sure you will agree, Richard, that The Simpsons is insanely better written than at least modern Family Guy, mm. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that, it's, like, it's, even as I became a Family Guy guy, you can't yeah. take the. Like. I was I you was can't, raised you can't on take the, the Griffin out of the Peter. Yeah, I was I was raised on the Simpsons like a third parent. But any love I have for Family Guy, whether ironic or not, is it, it, it's using the Simpsons. It's it's the Simpsons is the bedrock on which yeah, it's it like was a, built. Like, and you you talk it's about an, like, an orange juice with an apple base, but the apple base is the Simpsons. It's like eighty percent. Yeah. The, but the you Seth MacFarlane admits this freely. Like there was a must be for the twentieth anniversary of The Simpsons. They did a docu- uh, Morgan Spurlock did a documentary which was very heavy on the Morgan Spurlock. But the <laughs> but it was he had interviews with like Conan O'Brien, Matt Groening, and but Seth MacFarlane was one of the big contributors, and he speaks about The Simpsons with like the same reverence that like you and I would speak about the Simpsons. And mm. yeah, it was a really interesting insight because, and you know, he talks about the fact that it's like how family guys, able to push the envelope a bit more. And he uses the example of, you know, we get in trouble for a baby eating horse semen, but like back when the Simpsons started, it was like, this kid's talking back to his parents. Holy shit. Like, I love that, that tweet I saw that was like, Bart Simpson, eat my shorts, parents in the 90s. This is the most horrific sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, he, he has, a, has a deep respect for the Simpsons. And even when there was the Simpsons guy, the, the family guy Simpsons mm. crossover, which happened, you know, decades too late for anyone to be that excited about it. But the, mm. it's a really interesting thing. I mean, like, we could talk about that the Simpsons guy forever but the the thing is it suffers being a family guy episode rather than a Simpsons episode like the Simpsons Futurama crossover which was a Simpsons episode is actually quite good but the it's you're you're having to dumb down the Simpsons to fit into the Griffiths world but the second half it was a two-parter episode the second half of that is like this whole thing about uh poor target patriot the the beer being just a cheap ripoff of duff and the whole episode is about family guy being a cheap ripoff of the simpsons and they go to court and they like pair up all the all the characters that are very similar and there's this whole extended bit bit about how like people think it's a you know we've all taken inspiration from the comedy the cartoons before us and you know dates back to like the flintstones but the Mm. you know it's just sort of says i feel like it's gone off in its own direction and yada yada mm. but the there was also a, a funny thing that was like in, in promotion for that episode they got seth mcfarlane and matt Groening to draw each other in th- in their own style and seth mcfarlane's drawing of matt Groening is like fant- he's wearing this like solid gold suit he has like <laughs> 
this top hat and it looks like Matt Groening and it has this he has this big sash that says like mayor of television and mm. it's a very like you know joking but also like quite respectful and then Matt Groening's drawing of Seth is just a generic guy generic guy a family guy yeah yeah well look the reason that that we've brought up this uh whole topic for a 15 minute intro to the episode that is frankly getting longer by the second um well, much how like everything works yeah <laughs> yeah like um, all of time is, is i i guess because the whole family guy joke was part of our real friendship it never really got an introduction in the podcast yeah, just, or not that i can remember it just sort of so started this is us up, acknowledging yeah. that yeah yeah so ted and ted 2 ted 1 came out in 2012 uh ted 2 came out in 2015 both are directed uh, by seth mcfarlane who also wrote the screenplay along with alex sulkin and wellesley wild um ted 2 was written by those same people um and what is the ted franchise broadly speaking about it's and i will say and i and i hope that you're you're willing to put aside your hatred for these films for just a moment and agree with me sure. on this that the the film ted and like the idea has a fantastic premise that it's a little boy in the 90s or late 80s wishes that his teddy bear would come to life so he would have a friend and then it became this worldwide phenomenon that this this teddy bear came alive and then cut to present day and it's, he's now this dropkick of a human being uh the, the the human is and still just has a teddy bear as his best friend and now they they talk like adults and a lot of the comedy at least in the first film is derived from the fact that like this is a teddy bear acting like a person and then a lot well, of a lot a of person, the, a lot of the like, drama in the second film is yeah. around the fact that the teddy bear acts like a person. It's not just that he acts like a person. He's a stoner. He's a he's a menace to society. He's a sex pest. You mm. know, like all these lovable, charming things that Seth MacFarlane um, likes to put on as likes to play, likes to get mm. in the uh, in the voice acting booth and play. Uh, yeah, so. Um, it's the series along with, uh, Seth MacFarlane also stars Mark Wahlberg as the main human, uh, best friend. John His name Bennett. John Bennett. Uh, both films also star Giovanni Ribisi as Donnie, who's like the villain. Um, Mila Kunis is in the first one and, uh, Amanda Seidfried is in the second one and Joel McHale is in the first one and Morgan Freeman is in the second one. And that's the trade-off, I guess. That's <laughs> Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, the first film, um, it started its life. Guess how this idea started its life, Richard? It was an idea of Seth MacFarlane's. Yes, but it was going to be a TV show. Yeah, I, and I, think- I actually remember, this was like one of those films that I remember reading that like, oh, Seth MacFarlane's working on a new show. Oh, it's going to be a movie now. And, mm. the, and being one of these things that it was like, those movies that you just never expect to actually happen. Mm. Like Sausage Party was one. Venom was one. These ones that you're like, I don't think this is actually happening until I see it coming out because I've heard about it for like five, Mm. 10 years before it happened. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, so uh, it was originally going to be an animated show similar to uh, Family Guy, American Dad, or The Cleveland Show. His three other shows. Does he have other shows now? Border Town was him. That's I never watched that one. The uh, The Orville. Ah, uh, The Orville. Um, but this <laughs> was going animated. to be part part of his um, yeah animated oeuvre. He didn't do Border Town. I don't know why. I yeah, he was going to do a Flintstones reboot, That's which right. just fell apart, I guess. Um, and, uh, so I, I think this franchise as a whole really struggles to shake its identity that it started out as this, this feels these, both of these movies feel like very long family guy episodes and I in the can, best way. <laughs> I can see so clearly in my head what the animated version of this would have looked like. Describe you know, it to like me. Like I, I, well, just it would look like Family Guy, and when you're, when no wow. one was moving, wow, when no one's moving, they're just mind. standing there frozen. They're not even blinking. Yeah. That's the that's the Family Guy kiss of um, quality, I think. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I it it's very like so. The first film is basically it's pretty simple. It's um, John's girlfriend, played by Mila Kunis, feels that Ted is getting in the way of their relationship thriving basically mm. and along the way giovanni rabisi shows up as an obsessed fan with his creepy son um and they try and kidnap ted um i what did you think of this film and had you seen it before so i i must have seen ted like four times jesus christ <laughs> i saw it <laughs> i saw it in the cinema when it came out because i was very excited for it I was in the right age bracket. I would have been 20, 21, and mm-hmm. oh, 19, 20. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, you know, I'd grown up partially on Family Guy, and I thought, you know, got to mm. check out what this guy's doing next. And then, yeah, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I was, I was in Christchurch in 2012, so a lot of the the slurs and whatnot that we used in the film were things I would quite readily quote to my friends afterwards. <laughs> and uh, they would use worse slurs back at me because it was Christchurch. It was 2012. But you were better. It's important to note that you weren't as bad. I, I wanted to note that there was a, a line I would not cross, you know, that, that it was mm. like I wasn't just throwing out all the And that line was, was saying a slur around the protected people group that the slur was yeah, referring yeah, yeah. to. <laughs> but the um, it was a different time we're not we're joking but we're not like this anymore i promise please don't stop listening. oh i live i live in auckland now so i've i've grown up but the you've for, you've forgotten the slayers whereas i live in christchurch where they still surround me and i have to fight them off i have to bet them off yeah yeah not that they're directed at me i don't know this feels like a, a sinking joke much like well well i, I seth mcfarlane's comedy career yeah so i I guess I'll tell a story now, but I, I I watched it at some point between in the last ten years since it came out. I don't remember when. Maybe when Ted Two came out, I watched both. But the mm. I when I was in Leeds recently in in England with our, our friend of the podcast Carlisle and my partner Jess, we we we'd been staying in Sheffield where Carlisle lives. I hope that's not doxing him too much, but the. We stayed there and then 
we went we I went to England for a busted concert which was happening in Leeds so we spent two nights in Leeds the concert was on a Sunday night and we had this Airbnb for the Saturday and Sunday and we got to our Airbnb and we got it just because it was like slept three people and it was a reasonable price and then we got there and we were like this place is fucking amazing it was such a nice Airbnb and so we had this plan to like oh we'll go get some dinner go grab some drinks and yada yada but then we were like this we shouldn't waste this nice Airbnb. Like, let's just spend Saturday night and get a good rest before the concert tomorrow kind of thing. And so we went out and we were, we were wandering out. We went to a a sex, a sex store, which is spelled C-E-X, and they sell, like, secondhand electronics. Okay. British people, you know what I'm talking about. But the... We went to this CEX store and in the the bottom level of it, so the top is like a, you know, a porn shop sort of thing, but like a, a porn shop mixed a, with a, a sex store. A porn shop in yeah. a sex store? Um, but, you know, like, yeah, like refurbished electronics, gaming consoles, shit like that. But downstairs was like wall-to-wall DVDs, like insane amount. And so like half of this thing was just one pound DVDs. And mm. the place we were staying had a DVD player. So we were like, let's have like a movie marathon tonight. And so what we did was we went around the one pound wall and we each picked out like five movies. And then we were each able to like veto one of each other's choices. So we were like whittling them down and then we were going to like make our perfect marathon for the night. And so we were going to start off with one of the ones I picked was the uh, Little Britain uh comic relief special which is like 40 minutes and this is very much in the same vein as family guy yeah exactly so it was like this kind of thing of like let's see how bad this is dated uh carlisle picked out like the uh, the amanda seyfried little red riding hood movie (laughs) i I think one of us i can't remember if it made the cut but like lesbian vampire killers jess had grabbed national treasure um like it was a mix of like you know just fun oh we were gonna watch angels and demons or the da vinci kind of thing anyway i also happened to find randomly the uh busted live dvd which was very cool i was able to get that signed the following day but we so we we picked all these things we had like this nice stack of dvds we're like so excited we went back to the accommodation and the dvd player didn't work so we just bought this stack of dvds that we couldn't watch and so we were like, oh, fuck it, let's just watch Ted. <laughs> and so we we opened up. It was just because just it was on Netflix or whatever streaming service uh, they had. And so we watched Ted. Uh, Carlisle and I went out to go get some Indian food. And then the wait was going to be ages. So it was quite expensive. So we are like, fuck it, let's just get Nando's. And we got some beers. We got some hooch, which is this like alcoholic lemonade. It's fucking incredible. And yeah, we, we, we sat in. We watched Ted till... Yeah, probably about midnight and then we were like well let's watch ted 2 and so we put on ted 2 got to about 1 a.m or it might have been later than this i can't remember but then i was just like i got to the point where i was like i need to go to sleep so we finished ted 2 in the morning and this was like two and a half three months ago and mm. watching ted this week i left it until very late i didn't watch ted 1 until uh, like two or three nights ago and i watched it i started it at like 11 p.m so it finished 1 a.m or whatever and then i was like well it'll be funny if i put on ted 2 now and i 
recreate this experience for myself, but I didn't do that. But you watched it, so I logged my review on Letterboxd so that I could have a funny joke where my when you put my review alongside yours. But then so I got to last night. We recorded this at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. And I got to Friday night. I still haven't watched Ted 2. Jess and I put on H Bomber Guy's new video, which is four hours long. We watched three and a half hours of it. And then Jess is like, I need to go to sleep. And I was like, it was 1 a.m. And I was like, well, I guess for the second time in three months, I'm putting on Ted 2 after midnight. And so I went to bed. Part of me, and I will be honest here, I was going to just be like, I don't need to rewatch Ted 2. I've logged it on Letterboxd already as a joke. People are going to think I watched it. I don't need it. I've watched it recently enough. I can bullshit my way through it. But I. And that's what you did. You no, know, so last night I went to. I went to bed, watched Ted 2 on my phone, and I was like, I'll stay at least until the end of the court case. And then I. And I was like, maybe I'll just let myself fall asleep to it. And then I just. Whatever I did, that's what I. Whatever I get through, that's what I can do. And I think I, I fell asleep during the court case. And then I woke up when they find Donnie and the Ninja Turtle by playing I Think We're Alone Now. But then this morning I woke up and, and it was like 8 o'clock and I was like, oh, I've got time to finish Ted 2. So I watched the rest of Ted 2 this morning in bed on Damn. my phone. We're so, really getting down to the wire with film franchise for Exactly. Watches. But AJ, it, so I just want you to know... I did watch the films for the franchise, which was never in question. Okay. Well, it wasn't until you brought up that it might be in question. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't have anywhere near as interesting of a story. I saw Ted 1 in um, cinemas when it came out, and I hadn't seen Ted 2. That's my story with Ted. You haven't seen Ted and- 2 until now. No. Interesting. Uh, and what- watching them for this, man, I just hated these movies. I think that... Um, Seth MacFarlane, his comedy style, like I said before, it's so, I'm so aware of it now because of how big of an influence it's been in my teenage life and my adult life, for better or worse. And it's just this like cynical but lazy uh, kind of like, he dresses up really basic observations in some kind of like hat and a and address and so it feels a little bit more clever than it is i don't think i laughed once actually i did laugh once during <laughs> i remember i remember the one joke i laughed at um in ted which is at the start of the film john's boss um tells him that he knows tom scarrett <laughs> this whole he, he keeps name dropping tom scarrett and then at the end of the film when john is getting married to mila kunis um he looks over in the crowd and his boss is in, in the audience and he's sitting next to Tom Scarrett and he like points at him and like, you know, like raises his eyebrows and, and Mark Wahlberg's a, a mouth's like, is that Tom Scarrett? And then it cuts back to them and um, the boss is like, oh, such a beautiful wedding. And Tom Scarrett goes, what does he say? My daughter better still be alive. Something, <laughs> yeah. something like that. And I like that joke, but that's literally it and watching the second one again as well like i oh, just so angry and miserable and i just think that like they're not they're not really doing 
well, they kind of, they, they, they skirt so close to doing what I would think would be interesting with this concept. But then ultimately I find Seth MacFarlane's voice as a director so uninspiring and mm. so boring that I'm unmoved by it. And like, I remember my one, the one thing I remember thinking when I first saw this when I was 19 or 20 was like the end of, so Patrick Stewart opens and closes the film with yeah, narration, yeah. which is like, you know, there was a time when you'd be like, oh my God, they got Patrick Stewart. And now it's like, yeah, they got Patrick Stewart. It's Seth MacFarlane, their friends. Yeah. He, puts, he, do, he does the joke where he has Patrick Stewart say silly things of, in one of his shows. Mm, like, he's a, he's he a main voice actor. Avery Bullock, Dad. I think, is his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. And I remember the the closing joke of the film is they're like they're talking about um, uh, Giovanni Ribisi's kid, and they're like, and what happened to him? He grew up, he lost some weight, and he turned into Taylor Lautner. And the final image of the film is just a JPEG yeah. of Taylor Lautner on the screen. I remember thinking at the time, what a fucking lazy joke! Yeah. What a lazy way to end a film. And you can go, you know, I'm sure at the time, I don't know if there's any now, but at the time there would have been Seth MacFarlane stands who were like, "Oh, that's the point. It's so irreverent. He makes and fun funny. of everyone, and he he breaks all the rules." But it's like the ending of the movie is basically them going, "This this is a shitty ending, isn't it?" Oh well, and it's like. You can't, I don't, I don't, I think as soon as you start saying fuck you to the audience to such a degree, it's like, well, you kind of have to back this up by also being a good movie. If you watch a movie that's a tiresome, like, onslaught of, like, problematic jokes mm. and a a non-problematic joke of a talking teddy bear that's spread way too thin, if you do that and then end it on this Taylor Lautner joke, it's like, you're not better just because you acknowledged you're bad. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like you're not trying very hard. Yeah, it's like like Roma could end with a Taylor Lautner joke. Sure, Roma could, and should have ended. Maybe then it would have won Best Picture. Yeah, over Green Book. People if could, Roma could had, overcome their Netflix buyers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, so I, I, one thing that I. I'm so fascinated. Like I've said before, and and I I wish you were more on board with it so that we could analyze this together. But like, there's such a there's two to me there's two like schools of Seth MacFarlane jokes, and one of them is the like the lazy Taylor Lautner joke. But there is just these like tiny little observational things. That's the jokes I love in Family Guy and and in Ted as well, and. I wish I'd like written some down, but there's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, like, like it's Family Guy cutaways that are just, I, I guess it's just observational humor. It's like it's like his absurdist humor and then his observational humor, and I'm I actually quite like a lot of the observational stuff. But the thing that I want to talk about Steve McFarlane is that like the Taylor Lautner joke that it's preceded by a Brandon Routh joke as well. And mm. there's like uh slams on Justin Bieber in both films, but the, like he's, he seems so intent on like, I don't take anything seriously. You know, you, you want, you want drama, go watch the Simpsons. Family guy doesn't care about that shit. Like I remember a fam, a uh, family guy episode where it's like Meg goes to prom with, brian i think and at the end of it meg ends up cool and she goes up to brian and she's like 
hey, Brian, and you expect her to be like, can I have this dance? And he's, but she goes, can you hold my coat? And then goes off to dance with the popular kids. And it's like, we don't do schmaltzy endings in Family Guy. But like, mm. he's so intent on like that being his brand. But then there are some things he does so earnestly that it's like, what is, what are you doing here? So the, the one, the, the, the big example that I remember when I watched it leads, I was like, who is this for? Is that there's a sort of like cold open to the film. And then there's a very long opening title sequence, which is like big band music, which Seth uses in like everything he does. And this like dance sequence around like this tiered stage of all these dancers and Ted. And it's just like, this is the second one. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? And it's just like the title sequence of the second film. And it's like, it's very earnest. There's no like, Jo- well, like the Seth joke is that it's like Broadway exactly and so I it's think. like this thing that he's like I'll make fun of anything but you can't come for jazz music or Broadway and like well, big band I've got, stuff I've got two things to say about this one is I reckon he spent the whole first movie thinking how can I get Ted to do a Broadway big band sequence mm. and realised the only way to do it really because he's such a dropkick and the character is such a dropkick. The only way to really do it is to do it as like a non-canonical opening sequence mm. to the second second film. But what I'll say is, yeah, Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane, he doesn't do schmaltzy. And what is he earnest about? He's earnest about pop culture. And so the most earnest mm. moments in Ted and in Family Guy are just these bizarre like word for word recreations of like scenes from back to the future. There's a bit where, um, and and other things, there's a bit in Ted one where he gets his ear ripped off. And then as he like escapes this house that, that his ear has been ripped off in, he like reaches back in and grabs the ear and it it plays the from like, just a, like a little note from the Indiana Jones theme. And it's like, why, why is there an Indiana Jones reference in Ted? And it's because, that's his language. Mm. That's Seth MacFarlane's language, is he knows pop culture, and that's what he... Maybe that's why I like it. I'm a pop culture guy. That's what he cares about the most, and that's where the, the most, like, earnest uh, shit comes from. There's a there's a whole thing in this that Laurie, is, who's Mila Kunis' character, um, Laurie and John, they're, they're, the song they heard on... Um, their first date was the octopusy theme song or all time like high all yeah. time high um which uh traditionally barbara broccoli of of the bond estate does not let um people use bond songs in in their movies but seth MacFarlane wrote to her specifically talking about how it was his mother's favorite song uh-huh. and so she relented barbara broccoli broke her no using bond songs and other movies rule for ted 2012 uh and boy does it pay off um this this also weirdly ted is was nominated for an academy Mm. award which i did best original song um for best original song for a song that listeners i do not remember being in the film which is pretty nuts for me like i felt feel like i would if i when i saw when you see nominated for best original song for other unlikely oscar contenders often i go all right for that song i saw this and i was like what song is in ted that gets nominated it's, it's in for the an cr- oscar? like i yeah, I think that's maybe maybe you're showing your ignorance a little bit of that category at the Oscars. But I think that it's... Well, I'd rather show my ignorance of that than like 
sensitivity to minorities, which is what uh, Seth MacFarlane <laughs> routinely shows but us. But no, yeah, it's, it's quite common that it's just like, it's a credit song or, you know, you get, because Nora Jones is in the film and she mm. performs the song, but it's like, yeah, all the time, you look at those, at Best Original Song and it's always just a song that plays over the credits. Unless what it's from a musical. Original song, what, 2013 would have been? 85th Academy Awards, yeah. John me to just tell you. Skyfall one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna sorry, Ted, uh, but Skyfall's gonna have your bet for that, I reckon. Ironically, another Bond song. So there we go. Yeah. All comes back. Um, you might have noticed something interesting at the start of Ted, Richard, which is that the Universal logo plays. And that's interesting for anyone as who has the just depth of knowledge about Family Guy as we do, is that Family Guy, very famously a Fox mm. production. Uh, and why I guess your question would be, Richard, that you're asking me, no, and I'm not setting it up for you to ask, this is purely your inquisitory nature, mm. why was Ted not produced by Fox or 20th Century Fox? Why did it go to Universal? And the answer, Richard, is because Fox were like, I don't know, Seth, I don't know if you can do this. And <laughs> they they initially were interested in funding it. I think they were going to probably produce the TV show version mm. of it. Uh, but when it became a, a it, when it became Seth MacFarlane's directorial debut, they were all kind of like, "We don't think you can do it." <laughs> uh, and so then he went to Universal, and could he do it? Some would argue, technically yes, but. <laughs> uh, whatever it's, um, the it's film fascinating is a- Seth MacFarlane as a director that he made these two films that in the middle of them he made a million ways to die in the west and just hasn't really dabbled in it again mm, true yeah that like it seemed no, like we, this is know, though, this like- is sorry libs this is comedy now you know yeah we've got a yeah. new voice in comedy and he doesn't care what you think Mm. and to, mm. he, he did care what you what he, he, did, he did care what you think and uh, <laughs> the the critical flop that was because uh, mm. i think ted did reasonably well but the i mean it's like the second highest grossing r-rated comedy yeah i was about to say isn't that crazy but, second highest grossing yeah, it's not it's not that, it's not that crazy i don't think but the hangover two would be i don't think three did very well part two correct the um but yeah that that like so this film did quite well, and then Million Ways to Die in the West and Ted 2 both didn't do very well. And it's like, you feel good, Family Guy fans? Right now, Seth, Mac- Seth MacFarlane is at home crying like a little girl. Is that funny to you? <laughs> it's a Simpsons joke. <laughs> nice. Uh, the Yeah, so do you know what Ted has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I would guess 69. Hmm. Which I don't know about you, but I reckon that is the funniest number I've ever heard mm. in my life. I bet he's, he wears that as a badge of pride, 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Does it have 69% on Rotten Tomatoes? It does. Oh, really? I think the... Yeah, well, I just assumed you you look up these things before we record. No, I just because it was a funny number and it's also about what I would... I would expect it to be just fresh, but that's really funny. I, I honestly had no idea. Sure, whatever. You're just amazing at guessing. You know what, Richard? You may be incredible at guessing Rotten Tomatoes scores, but so what? <laughs> like, what does that mean for the I, world? <laughs> this is a like you've put this on me that I that like I should be proud of this. You know, like right? You're you're like I don't even care. So I can guess one number out of a hundred. I was. Accurately. I'm. I'm 
genuinely surprised at that. Well, like, I'm not that surprised. It, make, it makes sense that it would have 69%. But, yeah, that was... A, well, yeah. let's let's test this out then. Let's forget Rotten Tomatoes. I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 100. What is it? 69. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, so this um, did all right. I, guess, I mean, financially, it did really well. Critically, it did, like, whatever. I think Roger Ebert called it the best comedy script of the year. What What is uh, it? But, do, you know, do you have the audience score? Uh, I can look it up. Oh, no, I do actually have it. It has 73% oh, yeah. audience score. Ted 2 has a 45% audience score. No, sorry, a 45% critic score and a 50% audience score. I would have guessed about um, 45 so, for the record. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> I took that away from yeah. you. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's a movie that... Um, it, it, I didn't think it's a very surprising movie. I think I remember in 2012, the most surprising part of it is when Ted says, oh, I don't sound that much like... I wanted to ask him. you about that joke. What do you think of that joke? I mean, in 2012, I think I thought it was quite cutting, but in 2023, I'm like, this is yeah, half well of the course, done. Yeah. This is the, you just made fun of the fact that you can't do that much. You can't, you couldn't create a new voice for Ted. You had to just do the Peter Griffin voice. In defense of Seth MacFarlane, I think he's a very talented voice actor. Like, mm. I think if you were to, uh, like, put all his, the, the different hats he wears, in order mm. of talent, like he's he's a very talented singer as well, actually. But like mm. singing and voice acting, it's like as much as you want to shit on Seth MacFarlane, he's very good at both of those things. Mm. Yeah, but he uh, well, but yeah, he also I does. Can, I've got plenty else I can shit on him for, so we can move on. To but he he also does like. in the film. There's a bit where they're at the aquarium and they they're voicing all the different fish, and one of them is just blatantly Stewie. Yeah, but I, I feel yeah. that that felt like more like an Easter egg for fans, you know. Like, but the yeah, the the, 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 the very famous character, <laughs> yeah, that everyone can identify. But I think that yeah. he's the 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 Ted voice. I remember when it was revealed, it was like, oh, he's literally just doing Peter Griffin. But the it it, it is distinct from Peter Griffin, like it is. It's it's Seth MacFarlane doing a Boston accent, yeah, but. And what it reveals is how close his voice just is to Peter Griffin when he does a Boston accent. I think that's more what it is. Uh, yeah, the, the, it's interesting because I think it's... And it's like I would need to go through and watch like scenes back to back. But there's like, especially at the start of the second one, there's like a scene where Ted and his wife are fighting. And... Ted has a wife in the second one, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's very... It's a lot closer to his natural, like to, to Brian the dog, essentially. Mm. Um yeah, there are certain scenes where it's very Peter Griffin, and there are certain scenes where it's very Brian. Yeah, but I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, and I also like, yeah, I don't know. Like, sure, he's a talented voice actor, but you could almost argue it's going to waste on shit like this. I think. Mm. And then when he did a million ways to die in the West, which I haven't seen, it was very like, I don't know if you're a live action dude, man. Like, he's kind of he's got a very strange look to him. I think in real life, which he's, I think he's a uh, handsome man. You think he's handsome? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's got doll eyes. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I think he's, I think he's a good looking dude. But the yeah, million ways to die in the West. I, I always say like with people, there was a couple of films that came out around the same time that I say the same things about, and they are million ways to die in the West and Zoolander two, which are like, if you say, oh, like, did you enjoy it? 
the answer is yes. So you go, oh, it was a good movie. Not by a fucking mile. Like, terrible movies. I, I was just in the exact right mood for both of them at the time right. I saw them. I remember going to see A Million I've Ways to Die. I've never experienced this. <laughs> I, 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 a Million Ways to Die in the West, I was like, let's, every time we recognize something as a joke, let's just laugh at it anyway and mm. see if that can trigger enjoyment in us. And it did. Right. And yeah, I'm sorry, AJ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, AJ, but I still kind of think Family Guy's fine. <laughs> um, to finish off our conversation about Ted One, I'm going to send you a bunch of screenshots of uh, a segment we like to do on the show called Dumb IMDb Trivia. Nice. Um, I'm going to send you five pieces of Dumb IMDb Trivia. So I went on the IMDb page for Ted, mm-hmm. um, and these these are user-submitted pieces of trivia in the trivia section, which I think are dumb. Mm-hmm. So I've sent them to you on Facebook now. What I want you to do is open the first one. Yeah. Um, don't and don't read it. I want you to read it out loud, but not yet. Tell, tell me when you got it I've open. I've got it open. All right. I want you to read this in your best Peter Griffin voice, nice. please. <laughs> I need to. I need to get into it. Yeah. Lois. The Lower scene where John Peter. recalls meeting Laurie is a spoof of Airplane, and it marks a strange occurrence where one movie, this one, spoofs another movie, which itself is already a spoof spoofing another movie. <laughs> I had yeah, it for so a moment. The- <laughs> <laughs> so what this trivia is saying is that there's a scene where uh, where it shows John meeting Laurie, and it's a parody of the scene from Airplane where the main characters meet in like a club, which itself was a parody of Saturday Night Fever. And I thought this was a dumb piece of IMDb trivia because, first of all, isn't it just a scene that's a parody of Saturday Night Fever? Then is it? Yeah, is yeah. it not skipping Airplane? And also, this piece of trivia is missing that Airplane itself is a like a parody of that old movie, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that mo- old movie was called. All right, next one. I want you to do a Mark Wahlberg impression Thank for this you. next one. <laughs> I was hoping you would give me the opportunity because I love doing Mark Wahlberg impressions. <clears throat> Ted and John fighting each other in John's hotel room is a parody of the infamous fights in Family Guy between Peter Griffin and his arch enemy, Ernie the Giant Chicken. um i thought this was a dumb piece of imdb trivia because first of all whoever's writing this trivia is flying fast and loose with the term parody i think Mm. uh, based on this one of the last one we just read but like the fight scene that they have that ted and john have where he like ends up whipping him on the beer butt Mm. with like a tv antenna I don't know if it's a parody of Peter fighting the giant chicken. I think it's very derivative of Peter fighting <laughs> I think the giant to chicken. To be two things about Peter and Ernie. One is like Peter to, to be a parody of that. I think that you need to up the stakes a lot more than just fighting in a hotel room. The point, the mm. the the joke of those fights and Family Guy. And if you haven't seen it, it's like. The in the episode will just randomly be interrupted. Once every eightieth episode, a giant chicken will show up yeah. and continue his fight with Peter. And, and they go, they like you know go underwater and like on a plane and call and they leave like a trail of destruction in the background. But the there's one episode where it turns out that like the giant chicken uh, has cancer or something like that and is on his deathbed. And like this is the A plot of the episode is and then really yeah and so. And it's like, this is a show that has gone on for too long. (laughs) And yeah, like, uh, yeah. So there's this whole thing about like Peter's nemesis is dying, but then 
I think he ends up, I, I don't know if it's cancer, but he's like, he's sick. And I think he ends up like being, Peter helps him like get back to full health. But yeah, anyway, mm. the, the second thing, and this would have been in your IMDb trivia, I'm sure. And I might be spoiling something for the second film, but did you see Peter and the giant chicken in the second film? No, tell me where. So when the fight breaks out at Comic-Con, there's like when it very first, when, um, uh, Sam Jones, Flash Gordon pushes Mark Wahlberg through like a bunch of people, and the people like closest to the camera is a Peter Griffin cosplayer and a giant chicken, and Peter falls onto uh. the giant chicken, and then a couple of shots later, when you, there's a big crowd scene of everyone fighting, you can see um the Peter Griffin like with the giant chicken around his uh, over his shoulder swinging Pardon around. Me- Part of me is like, Seth MacFarlane is so masturbatory for putting Family Guy references in his movies. Mm. But then part of me is like, Family Guy is world famous, though. Mm. Like, it's if, if, if someone else had done it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'd have no problem with it, mm. you know? Like... It's like Steven Spielberg not wanting to feature Steven Spielberg movies in Ready Player One. Uh, yeah, there's a... They should be. from. I can only think of one that's the other way around. I can only think of one Ted reference in Family Guy. Tell me, I was going to ask about this. And so it's... There's an episode called He's Black, which is when uh, after Jeez. the Cleveland show finished, Cleveland comes back to Quahog and rejoins the cast because he actually left... Um, the, the, the cast of Family Guy while well, Cleveland Show was happening. And he comes back in and essentially they just roast him and his show for a couple of minutes. And it's, you know, Seth MacFarlane being self-deprecating. There's a bit where they like pull up the DVDs of Family Guy and they're like, here's DVDs of the last three seasons. And uh, fair warning, these have jokes in them. And, <laughs> but there's one that, um, and uh, Quagmire says... He's like, you have, like, you had a, a talking bear in your show that was so bad, Seth MacFarlane stopped voicing him for the second season. And Cleveland says, I mean, like, it's pretty hard to make a talking bear funny. And Quagmire goes, ah, it worked out pretty well in movie form. Wow. Again, not really a joke that makes fun of himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? All right, this next piece of trivia, I want you to read this in Stewie's voice, please. Oh, the longest one. Yeah. Brian. Brian. Ted and John's friendship is similar to Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin. Winnie the Pooh was based on an old plush teddy bear, originally named Edward Bear, then A.A. I've lost it. Then Brian. The day A. Milne gave his son, <laughs> Christopher Robin Milne, in August 1921 as a present for his first birthday. Brian. Christopher Brian. Robin, 2018, basically had the same premise as this movie, but was a Disney movie with some changes, and it is a family film, then this film's adult content. 
Yeah, so ignore, there's also a typo, which would qualify it for dumb. I'm mm. to be true anyway. But this piece of trivia is claiming that Christopher Robin, the 2018 film, is, quote, basically the same premise as Ted, <laughs> which, no, it's fucking not. It's not at all the same premise as Ted. It's got, they've both got talking teddy bears in it, but, like, that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got this next one. Let's do a quagmire for this next piece of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. At one point when Tan and John are fighting Ted throws a Bible at John. Mark Wahlberg is a Catholic in real life. That was bad. I just thought it was real funny to reference that Mark Wahlberg was a Catholic yeah. in real life. I thought. Um, and we got one more. Uh, do a, a Lois. <laughs> do a Lois Pena. for me. Tom Skerritt is the first celebrity to make a cameo on the Ted movies. <laughs> Tom Skerritt is the first celebrity to make a cameo in the Ted movies, which is only like interesting because of how many cameos that are flooded into these. Well, also, movies. I don't think he is. Uh, yeah, is he? Yeah, no, because exactly. he, he he first appears like he's referenced earlier on, but he only appears at the end of the film. Post Ryan, no, you Reynolds. see a, a photo. You see a photo of him. Yeah, that's not a cameo. But, otherwise, you would say Brandon also, Ralph has a cameo also, at the end. Also, I would also say that um, surely there's another cameo before Tom Skerritt's photo. Surely. And also, who gives a shit who the first celebrity cameo well, is in the movie? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not calling the photo a cameo. <laughs> AJ, okay. I, I think that's... I actually think that's fucking stupid if you think that. I actually... <laughs> but the... I... Yeah, his, his appearance at the end comes after Ryan Reynolds makes an appearance. It comes mm. after... Who else is... Uh, Sam Jones, although he, he's more of, like, an actual role, I guess, but... <laughs> yeah. Ted Danson's um, in it. Yep. I want to end our discussion on the first film with a letterboxed review that I found from Dakota Joaquin. Uh, it's a four-star film, and it says, Hey, Letterboxd, giving this glorious work of art a 2.9 average rating doesn't make you cool, nor intelligent, nor prestigious, nor cinematically informed. It makes you ostentatiously obnoxious and conspicuously pretentious. I'm very disappointed in your behavior. Do better. Now, that is 735 likes. <laughs> now, it's very funny to call something... Um, uh, pretentious and using terms like uh, cinematically informed ostentatiously obnoxious and conspicuously pretentious i think those are pretty conspicuously pretentious <laughs> phrases to use yeah. um but also and i'm not just saying this because i work for letterboxd but like if you think first of all if you think that that letterbox is doing anything to the ratings when it's just an aggregate of mm. what the average rating is you're insane you are further insane if you think we're going out into the into the back end of the like letterbox system for ted yeah yeah it's we're like, not doing it if for we ted. were gonna cheat it wouldn't be for this it wouldn't be for ted so shut up dakota the one, one final about. thing on the first film do you know about neil degrasse tyson's contribution to the film he mapped the stars yeah, or something? so there was like a famous thing for the uh, Titanic re-release in 2012 for the 15th anniversary uh, that Neil deGrasse Tyson had been like, you know, that's actually the bit where there's a shot at the end of the film where Kate Winslet is lying on the, the bed frame and she, which it's not a door, it's actually, it's a headboard of a bed. And 
she looks up at the sky and there's just a shot of the stars. And he's like, that's actually not uh, what the stars would have looked like over that part. Very of- cool. And he kept on going on about this. So for the re-release, James Cameron was like, all right, what would the fucking stars have looked like? Send them to me. <laughs> and so he gave him this updated star map. And so in post-2012, the sky has been adjusted for what it actually would have looked like over that part of the ocean on that night. Um which is like, it's an interesting thing, especially with Titanic, because it's like James Cameron is so meticulous that this thing that seems like it's easy to look up. But anyway, so Seth MacFarlane heard about this and he's friends with Seth, uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson. They did the, the Cosmos show to the remake of Cosmos, mm-hmm. um, the reboot, I guess, together. And yeah, he was like, I need to know. He messaged him or called him, was like, I need to know what the sky would have looked like over Boston in you know, on this night and on Christmas 19, whatever. And 10 minutes later, he sent him back like uh, what it should have looked like. And so, yeah, that was this, this thing. Part of the press tour was like going around being like, so yeah, Ted is actually in some ways more historically accurate than Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Thank you, Seth. <laughs> All right, Richard, what's Ted 2 about? Let's get this over with. <laughs> so Ted 2, stylized as Ted 2, is a 2015 American fantasy comedy film. I think we would all agree. <laughs> now, the, so this one is John and Laurie have been have gone divorced, and he's struggling to get back in the game. And I, I'm sure you have this, but like the behind the scenes reason, is Mila Kunis was pregnant. I think is that right? Uh, I didn't see that, but possibly. Yeah, I, she she just they just changed the story, and it's it's a Mamma Mia two situation. <laughs> they just they made the creative decision to not include Mila Kunis in the film, I believe. Yeah, but anyway, Although it, it does a- it does it does slap of Mila Kunis was unable to return. Yeah, I'm I, I'm pretty sure she was pregnant. She's gone, <laughs> and. This film is about uh, Ted and Tammy Lynn who got married at the end of the last film. Uh, Tammy having- Lynn's like a, a trailer trash uh, woman, yeah. I guess. Is how, that's how Seth MacFarlane Bostonian trash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the I will say, though, I, I think she's great. I think that actress is fa- especially someone who I was- I think cl- she gets a lot of fucking screen time in the second one what, for this a joke character from the first one. Yeah, and that's kind of what I love about it is that, like, in the first one, she's this joke character, pops up every now and then, and then, like, very much a main character in the second one. And I, I think the actress has a lot of fun with it and, and does quite a good job. But anyway, the they can't- they decide they're going to have a baby to fix their marriage, and- they can't do it, you know, PIV style. Teddy ain't got no dick. <laughs> and then, so they try to get a sperm donor. Uh, they try to get Sam Jones, Flash Gordon, to do it. He only has one sperm, which he's saving to eat if he ever needs to. He, AJ's laughing. And then they <laughs> they go to Tom Brady's house and try to jerk him off, but they get kicked out. They try to get John to do it. Why? Why? Why can't they? John spills his cum. They, they do. They do get John to do it, but then they find out that. Oh yeah, no, it's um, Tammy Lynn's. Um, Tammy Lynn's uterus is fucked. Yeah, but then so they decide they're going to adopt, and when they file for adoption, they realize that the government doesn't recognize Ted as a person, and so he can't 
that, that yeah, and so it, like all all his things are revoked all his subscriptions are revoked all his, his credit like, card like his, everything his credit, and yeah and yeah. even their marriage is annulled and so the film is about a civil rights case where ted wants to get personhood and it ends up being they get this spunky young lawyer played by amanda seyfried in who plays samuel sam l jackson and mm-hmm. they, which is like i get i get the joke but also this means with sam jones you've got two characters with the same name in the film yeah but they they, they end up losing the case but then there's as a last ditch effort they go to the greatest civil rights lawyer in, in the country uh patrick megan who's played by morgan freeman and he turns down the case and says, you know, you, you haven't made enough of a contribution to society. And then when John Bennett sacrifices himself to save Ted, he realizes, well, you have. Which happens at Comic-Con at the hands of Giovanni Rabisi's, who, whose character returns. And I'm like, why is this character back, man? He's like, Donnie, man. I don't think Donnie, Donnie needed to be I in the I don't think you one. can make a Ted film without Donnie. What's, I'm sorry. What's the name of the actor that plays the Hasbro CEO? John Carroll Lynch. What's that, guys? John Carroll Lynch should have just been that character. Love, I, think I he's love a, that guy, man. I think he's a more interesting actor and should have just been that character. Giovanni Ribisi and John Carroll Lynch are both two actors that like have an Oscar in them, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the... Yeah, and so and then they end up winning the case at the, with the help of Morgan Freeman's character. Yeah. And again, Seth AJ, McFarlane. I'm sorry, you know, I like you're going to hate me saying this and I but I want you to agree with me. Great premise for a second Ted film. Sure, we'll get to this. But I do think it is insane that Seth MacFarlane wrote lines for Morgan Freeman where Morgan Freeman compares the Emancipation Proclamation and like the Black Civil Rights Movement to this fictional case of a talking teddy bear like there's this whole thing in the movie where they're they're like you know we it's only 20 years later that we can see human rights issues of often like it's it's you know it's 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 at the time people fighting against um certain people's getting personhood can seem like valid but then 20 years later we look back and see that it was backwards and crazy that this person or this person didn't didn't have rights and it's like these are all wonderful things to talk about but in the context of this it's fucking offensive it's crazy to be like yeah and that's why my swearing teddy bear should uh, get to be a person you know like i just i mm. think it's so it's so white to make this story it's so white to 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 find a way to make civil rights seth mcfarlane made a movie where he is a civil rights victim and I so think you think that, is, that, that Ted should have been voiced by a black actor? I'm glad we brought this up. Ted should have been voiced by a black actor. Who would you have cast? The guy as that Ted? the guy that plays Cleveland. I don't know <laughs> who's in the first film. He plays oh, a really? newscaster, Mike Henry. Ah, wow, Mike Henry. But he's white. Wh- white Mike Henry. They call him. Yeah, but the, he, the, Cleveland is voiced by a black guy now. But the. Just to be clear, they 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 <laughs> paid they, the reparations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah, I don't know. I mean, like also Morgan Freeman does the only time that Morgan Freeman shares the screen with the animated teddy bear is when it's the back of Morgan Freeman's head. So I reckon Morgan Freeman never was on set at the same time as everyone as else. Ted. As Ted, at least. At least as Ted. <laughs> <laughs> well, an interesting thing about this movie, and to to actually give it credit, I think that 
the film does quite a good job of like putting Ted into the scenes. And mm-hmm. it was actually like Seth MacFarlane was directing in a motion capture suit and would be like off screen doing live recording the voice. He was actually the the voice that you hear in the film is what he recorded on set. And mm-hmm. then yeah, it would be like there was a live playback monitor of like a previs Ted based on his motion capture that Mark Wahlberg was able to directly act with and so i I think mark Wahlberg does a pretty good job of acting opposite this bear as well like it's it's a very interesting role for mark Wahlberg, but i think i would you know what that'll be my concession i think this is an interesting role for mark Wahlberg, and i think he does a pretty good job with the the comedy there's especially like in the second film there's a lot more examples of like because he's not being mature and having a girlfriend i guess but he's like where he he goes along with like the fantasy of ted a bit more Mm. like with like superstitions and shit that he fully buys into one thing that uh i was ready to hate in this film that i actually thought wasn't that bad here we go here's me going into my ted praise era turns out that's the biggest twist is i actually loved these is i so i'd never seen these but i knew that mila kunis didn't return and i always think it sucks in a sequel where the first film was all about this relationship between these two characters and then the second one they're like oh they got they got a divorce or whatever i remember um to me one of the biggest offenders is kick-ass 2 it's like all of kick-ass is about him trying to like woo this girl and then in the second one she just cheats on him because they didn't want her in the in the story and i just feel like it completely like undercuts the film and so i was ready to be like the whole fucking first film is about him trying to become the the boyfriend that laurie needs him to be and now she's just gone from the film but i don't know they kind of they go yeah he's a flawed character and Mm. he fucked up and it's kind of interesting to and like i wonder if more focus should have been on the mark Wahlberg character in Mm. ted 2 i don't know like it's yeah hmm yeah what did you think of that i the worst part of the film (laughs) i think this film goes goes on for so long it gets to the point where you think it's about to end and morgan freeman's not even in it yet um i just it's so pointless it's so offensive and it's i just hated this so much well they make fun of everyone though aj they make fun of everyone and that's okay for a white man to do do that's a valid thing for a white artist to do (laughs) is make fun of everyone A, a rich straight white artist white male artist is allowed to make fun of everyone that's his god-given right as a straight white male what did you think of the cameos in this film sucks so again again with patrick stewart being like this isn't the get you think it is because he does this shit all Mm. the time there's a cameo where liam neeson buys a box of tricks off ted and he's like i've been told that tricks are for kids does that mean i can't eat and it's this whole weird joke that frankly i didn't think was funny enough to warrant being the liam neeson cameo did you see the post but also I did see the post credit scene where he returns the box of tricks and is beaten up as if he was he did get in the trouble he so fervently feared mm. in buying the box in, Funny in the stuff. first place. Funny stuff. I just think it's the same thing with Patrick Stewart where Liam Neeson does this shit all the time now. You're not you're not surprising me by getting Oscar Schindler in Ted Two. I think because though it's like that that's because he of does this anyway. A million ways to die in the West in Ted Two. 
Yeah, it's because of Seth MacFarlane. He is yeah. he has diluted the prestige. Well, and he's going to do a, a naked gun reboot. Which, if you want more information, you can check out my TikTok. But the the because do you know about how he he's the bad guy in a million ways to die in the West? Liam Neeson yeah. is, and there's like an old Family Guy clip that he's like, oh, this is like Liam Neeson playing a cowboy, and it's. Liam Neeson doing an Irish accent playing a cowboy and the joke is that he like always does his Irish accent and then Seth MacFarlane calls him up years later and says hey I'm doing this western comedy I want you to be in it and he was like the only condition is that I have to do my Irish accent and so to like get Seth back in <laughs> for his joke yeah. he was like I, I'm gonna do this on an Irish accent and so, yeah, they, be- they became friends after that, I guess. And because, yeah, now Seth is executive producing a um, Naked Gun reboot starring mm. him. Mm. But, yeah, Star- there's also... Starring a, a brand-diluted Liam Neeson, I yeah, think. He's not the same too, Liam Neeson. He's too old for this shit, frankly. But the... Mm. Uh, the You have, like, Jay Leno in the film. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that cameo? <laughs> Exits a bathroom after reportedly having gay sex. Um, it's always interesting, I think, in and it always it's always in Seth MacFarlane stuff, where like actors will come in and play themselves in a role that's not only like pretty like it doesn't paint them in a good light. It also like finds the main thing that you would think the, these actors PR people would not want them to be making jokes about mm. and gets them to make a joke. Like Tom Brady's in this film mm. and there's a bit where, where Ted's like, I don't think you cheated or something like that. And it's like, you can say that around Tom Brady. You can get Tom Brady's people to sign off on a Tom Brady is a cheater joke mm. in your movie. That's crazy. I reckon you couldn't get Richie McCaw to sign off on that. No, but the the biggest the, I actually think the, the the craziest example of this was when Hillary Clinton was on Between Two Ferns, and it ends with Zach Galifianakis being like, "All right, so how do I reach you? Do I email you?" Because <laughs> um, yeah. she deleted all. The, it's like it's like uh, for, for someone who doesn't know too much, maybe that's like, oh, they actually acknowledged the emails. It's like, okay, do you know what the emails yeah, were? Yeah. They're like covering fucking war crimes. You're telling me that the Democratic PR were like. Yeah, that's fine. We can make a joke about the innocent lives that Hillary Clinton is responsible yeah. for. Murdering. I like in that interview because he's he does this whole bit about how she was like secretary and so being like Obama's secretary, like an office secretary, and mm. he's like, "How does Obama like him? Like his coffee? Like himself? Weak? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But that's yeah, good. you also have in this film uh, someone who we've seen in film franchise Fortnite's. Not too long ago, uh, Michael mm. Dawn plays uh, Patrick Warburton's new love interest, mm. and yeah. is then is dressed up as Worf in the yeah. um, in the Comic Con scene, while Patrick Warburton's dressed up as the Tick, both playing characters. They've again a joke, a joke which feels like. Like, dressing him up as the Tick, I think, would have worked if it was just one scene, but he has, like, a whole subplot at the Comic-Con, and it's like, and he's he dresses up the t- Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. And when he's um, like, when he knocks that guy over, he's like, careful, that floor comes up pretty fast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have too much else to say about this movie other than it was a fucking I just want to go through to the rest through. of the cameos. You got, uh, <laughs> you got Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. He was funny. You got the, what did you think of the SNL parody? 
actually pretty interesting. Actually, a pretty interesting thing to put in a film because yeah, they apply like it's an SNL parody of of the court case. Of the court so case. so it's a, it's an SNL episode that takes place in the universe where Ted exists as a character and, and and that this court case is national news and yeah yeah they have kate mckinnon playing amanda seyfried's character bobby moynihan in a ted costume in the court uh set which presumably they roll out every now and then when they do courtroom sketches which means that was the same uh courtroom where elon musk did his wario sketch that he just <laughs> insisted on doing when he was on snl and uh yeah, then you also have Taron Killam there as well. But the the joke of it is that like he's like, I am not an animal, and then he ends up like leaping over the the bench and attacking him and uh, Kate McKinnon, and she's like, "Sorry, Your Honor, I'm on my period," <laughs> and it's like it's this funny thing because it's like that joke isn't meant to be funny, but it's like mm. a parody of how how unfunny how SNL, SNL is. is. And that they, yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, like you say, that there's a lot of this stuff. This movie like, is just a bunch of, of like comedically bankrupt comedians making fun of each other. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it, it, it oh, is. I, like, actually th- I actually quite like it, though. I think it's actually not that comedically bankrupt. But anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I like these films. Why? Why do you like them? I don't know. They are bad. They, they aren't are. very they are. funny. They aren't very funny. They're mean-spirited. They're lazy. Mm. They are uh, dated. Like, And they're so dated. And we had this... The last time I remember feeling this was when we watched Anchorman 2. And it came... Same, Anchorman 2... Yeah, came out in 2013. So around... like in, Literally in between Ted and Ted yeah. 2. And it's this it's this pocket of it would make a great letterbox list, which is this pocket of films which because they came out in what we could loosely call like recent memory, they feel like they are modern comedies. They feel mm. like they could have come out yesterday, you know. Well, uh, a, a, a they, large part of it, genuinely, I think, is that uh, they came out in the cameo era of comedies. Sure. I remember going to see and, a, a, a studio, I think it was Game Night, and I and I was genuinely like, I wonder who the cameo is going to be. And then I realized I'm just basing this on on nothing. Like I haven't heard yeah. there's a cameo. I just think that that's what comedies have now. And then um hmm. what's his name? Uh Dexter shows up on the at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's like it's this it's this pocket of comedies. Yeah, so they feel modern, but then they'll slap the r word in there they'll they'll make some horrific like like ted ted's a sex offender you know like as a character based off what we now you know maybe at the time people were a little less clear on what um, sexual sexual harassment means but ted's like they 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 sexually assault tom brady you know like as that's just one example and it's the it's this thing where it's like well they don't technically (laughs) they 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 attempt to if the right wing weren't fully in favor of making jokes like this, this would be how you cancel the the figures on the left. Mm. You know, you, especially someone like um, who directed Anchorman. It was Adam McKay. Adam McKay, who is making these like baiting, politically satirical movies now, which like poke so much like vitriol toward the right. If they really want to cancel Adam McKay, watch Anchorman Two. 
that movie is offensive as fuck mm. and it's the same thing with seth mcfarlane there's like when ted, so ted gets ripped in half at the end of the first mm. movie and comes back to life with a secret like a second wish basically um and he comes up with his face like lopsided and is pretending and it's revealed to be a joke but he's pretending that some of the stuffing was put in the the wrong place and he's now what you know i don't need to describe the the joke they're making i'm sure we can all understand but it's it's like and you know they say the r word with glee they say it so like it's so happy to them to be able to say that and that's one of many jokes that just it's just like i'm not trying to be a white knight but it's like crazy that this was ever allowed to be in a studio comedy mm. you know this this joke that would have like just made certain people feel so hurt was just allowed to be said allowed to be uttered by like the main characters that you're supposed to like in this movie mm. i don't know i just think it sucks i think it sucks richard um but if we move on now well, richard, I, I, I've got I, some... I, yeah i mean the way that i enjoy family guy and the ted movies and like this is a it's like a gene that i have that you don't that like i'm and it's not even that like oh turning a blind eye to that stuff or anything because i do see those bits and i'm like oh but the i'm able to watch bad stuff and enjoy the good parts and then just be like yeah sweet whatever you know and uh, yeah, I mean, I mean like, I, 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 I said before I that I like that I like Ted, but it's like I could like take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, like pretty much. I mean, like if 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 someone came over and was like, "Oh man, we gotta you see this movie Ted? Like, let's put it on. It's so good." I'd be like, "Oh yeah, chuck it on. I don't mind." Like, and that's kind of what I was like with Family I, Guy. I would... That it's like I can my my thing with Family Guy when I was watching it was that it's like. I could put this on and pretty comfortably know that I will laugh out loud at least once. It's yeah, it's it's comfort watching. I get yeah. that, and I disagree that I don't have this gene. I no, think you I don't. do have, you don't the, have it, AJ. the gene. Well, I think I can watch a comedy, enjoy it, despite it having problematic elements to it. I think there are plenty of comedies that I like that have problematic elements. Okay, to well, it. say some slurs that you're okay with. Okay. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not okay with them. But like, I can still enjoy the things surrounding it and accept that stuff just dated poorly. The difference here is I don't think Seth MacFarlane is a very funny person. Mm. Like, I don't think his comedy is very funny. So it's not like I'm avoiding the. Um, it's it's not like I'm writing the whole movie off because it's got offensive jokes in it. I'm writing it off because it's not funny and it has offensive jokes in it. Something like Arrested Development, my favourite sitcom of all time, has plenty of jokes that you wouldn't put in. Like, what's one slur at Arrested Development? Um, they say um, they Barry Zuckercorn uses the term homo quite uh, quite a few times and just to clear if you haven't seen the show the joke is on him the joke mm. is that barry zuckercorn is a closeted gay man and doesn't know or like there's that great joke where um uh will arnett's character has been um has been in trouble with the company before for um 
how he's like approached gay employees and he walks into michael's office with and there's the i'm, I'm explaining the joke backwards so it won't be funny but <laughs> there's a his character job is a magician and there's a magazine in the magician community called poof <laughs> and he walks into to, to michael's office and goes hey have you seen the new poof and michael gets up and quickly closes the door and he's like his name is darren and we can't do this again <laughs> um you know so like like this stuff where where that was just an example of like that's an example where like yeah there's a sacrifice here where the, the language is kind of problematic but the um the joke well the the, the, the is, thing is that who who was the joke on exactly exactly and family guy and seth mcfarlane the joke the is joke, on everyone no, it's not. It's on. It's on the wrong people. It's on the people you. Well, this is be interesting though. Because joking about when you have a position of privilege in society like Seth MacFarlane. Because you really like South Park, though. No, I don't. I stopped watching South Park because of this. When you when you went woke. When I went woke, they did an episode on trans athletes, and I remember thinking, you know. I think I got to give up South Park. I think I got to like, it is now, it is now floated so far from what I believe that it, I don't really feel like justifying to other people why I would still watch it. I was watching South Park for years just because it was what I'd always done. Like yeah. I'd be watching See, cause I never I really like, I never got into South Park and part of it was, was that side of it. Fair enough. Good on you. And, but I'm I- not, claiming to be better than you or anything i actually think there's a good argument that family guy (laughs) i think there's a good argument that family guy is more offensive than south park i think south park says more inappropriate like south park earns it's like r16 rating Mm. whereas family guy is not r16 i don't think but i think south park when it when it like of course south park's offensive but i always feel like there a lot of the time there is a message to whatever they're saying and you know that's a lot easier to, to swallow when well, they're it's making fun I think of like, like the catholic church as opposed mm. to the episodes that are making fun of disabled people that, like um, i think it's example. it's similar to like that in this sort of just in the last few years especially this like reevaluation of a lot of this media and like can can you accept oh it's a different time can you accept no you know the comedy here is exposing this yada yada that like south park and the other one would be like robert danny jr and blackface and tropic thunder are the two that are sort of getting a pass like Tropic Thunder is born yeah. up every now and then. Well, actually, no, no, always sunny in Philadelphia. I would say yeah, way even more than South Park gets a pass. They were doing blackface in like 2019, hmm. like, and and the only reason I think they they have not been called up on it, like Danny DeVito is dressed as a black woman and Rob McElhenney is dressed as an Asian, like, like man, like like very stere- like offensively stereotyped. Well, they, they have and taken the- down those episodes. Have they really? Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, they, they, well, they, they, but they they actually chat about it on the podcast and stuff. They like they. For, I, I'm paraphrasing sort of something I listened to like a year ago, but they kind of say it like, and I think they maybe disagree slightly on it, but it's like I think it's maybe a little bit reactionary to just pull the episodes because I think it might not have been their choice. It was the, um, mm. it was the the network, but you know, it's one of those things that it's like, well, you know, like if if there are people that it hurts and we have to take it down and those people won't be hurt by it, then yeah, fuck it. Let's take it down. Who cares? Mm. Whereas like, um, 
yeah, the scrubs that that just edited those parts out of their episodes because it was just in, in a couple of cutaways that they yeah bill lawrence was on the podcast and was like yeah i'm fucking embarrassed by this shit it's my show i can cut it out like yeah 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 and all of what what's even the point we're getting at here Seth MacFarlane doesn't have these excuses. Like when when Family Guy or Ted is racist, I can't make these feeble arguments that I can make for mm. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Tropic Thunder, where I can try kind of be like, ah, oh, but it's highlighting the racism. It's highlight mm. and like for the record, I'm not necessarily saying that is my position either. I'm still very much learning, yeah. and I think there are some grey areas that I want to learn better on it, and I don't like Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Tropic Thunder enough to die mm. on a hill defending it. If if people if if the people who who um it, it is affecting come out and say, no, even this character in Tropic Thunder, despite the fact that it's supposed to be doing this and this and this, even that is still offensive, I'm not going to try and fight for whatever that character's name is, you know? Mm. Like Laz- Lazarus? Kirk Lazarus, Kirk- yeah. Kirk Lazarus. I'm not going to try and defend Kirk Lazarus or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I am just acknowledging that when they do blackface or black jokes, it is about um, creating a, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 You're creating idea, the pal. the. <laughs> <laughs> You've been bad talking Seth MacFarlane for two hours. I'm not going to help you now. Um, <laughs> no, and like it's 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 making a point. Whereas when uh, Ted says, oh, have you ever seen a black guy in any movie ever? That's Samuel L. Jackson. I don't think that's making a point. That's not the most offensive joke in the mm. series by a long shot. I mean, shot, that joke is probably more about the uh, prolificness of mm. Samuel L. Jackson's career more than anything. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Richard, it has been seven years since Ted 2? Eight years, but yeah. Eight years since Ted 2, and we have nary seen our favourite racist teddy bear return to the screen. Uh, And what do you think is happening there? Shall we move on now to continue the franchise, where we both pitch our own continuations, but also acknowledge and pay respect to the continuations that are to come? Uh, If you like. <laughs> so Ted Three was obviously talked about on the like campaign trail of Ted Two, yeah. um, and Seth MacFarlane uh, basically was like, "Well, if we made Ted Two because Ted did so well. So if Ted Two does as well, we'll make Ted Three. Uh, it did not do as well, and we never really saw a Ted Three. But there is hope for all you Ted stands out there now Yay. because a prequel is in development for Peacock." Uh, the NBC streaming service. Um, it's a TV show, an eight-episode live-action prequel called Ted, um, which is going to follow Ted and John in the 90s, I think. Mm. Uh, and so that's how you get around not having to pay Mark Wahlberg for... Um, mm. And also being able to episode. be like a lot more problematic and be like, well, it was a different time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was the 90s. Exactly. It's a period piece. That's absolutely what it's going to be. Seth MacFarlane is returning to voice Ted and um, Alex Borstein, who played, who briefly, she plays Lois in Family Guy mm. um, and briefly appears in Ted as John's mum. She is returning as John's mum. She's not. I thought she was. No. Oh, sorry, no. Elena Ubach is playing. Mm. Okay. So they've. Ch- I thought it was she's returning, but the dad isn't, but, but they're both. They're both not returning. I would. I guess I just assumed that 
Alex Borstein would be an easy get to reprise her role from Yeah, Ted I mean, One. she's blown up with um, Marvelous Ms. Maisel. Ah, has she? Yeah. Mm. But still, we're getting Patrick Stewart in fucking American Dad. He's in every episode of American yeah, Dad. Yeah, voiceover sure. works a lot easier than... Mm-hmm. That's right, voiceover artists. I said it. Uh, it is also going to feature a cousin named Blair. So that sounds very exciting. Mm. Richard, um, this is coming out in 2024. Comes Richard, out next month. what is... is Wow, there we go. All seven episodes. So there's only seven. I read somewhere there were eight. Anyway, who gives a shit? We'll probably have to watch this for film franchise I'm follow-ups. Gonna, I'm going to watch it anyway. It's actually kind of episode. a perfect a perfect film franchise follow-ups, I think. Yeah. Um, so th- so Ted, Ted, more Ted is on the horizon. Richard... What is your continue the franchise? I think that so I like treating this like an actual trilogy, I think and I, I was thinking about this yesterday and it's like because Ted 2 is about like his status as a person that I think that Ted 3 would need to go back to his creation. I I I'm picturing maybe like a you know, probably incorporating what's going to be in some of those TV series, but like a Godfather 2 sort of thing where it's about like, why did this wish come true? And it'll be about Ted sort of having that existential crisis of like millions of kids probably make wishes like this. Why is it being me that has become sentient? And yeah, I- something that the movies seem very content on ignoring like well they're saving it for the third film but the Uh, the the prequel yeah but i I think that because ted 2 is so much well you know it's it's like it's a man or muppet situation that i think Mm -hmm. that the second film being about him wanting to become a man and then i think that the third film needs to be about him embracing being a muppet and yeah, I, I just like it would be a story involving like a recall of Ted or something like that. Something that or like even just his deterioration, because you can see parts of uh his fur have been like fallen off and it just like the bear sort of bear mm. <laughs> uh the raw sort of fabric. That won't make sense in other accents, because apparently those words are pronounced different in other accents. <laughs> but the yeah, I, I think that I, I want to dive deeper into his origins as a toy. And it's it's mm. kind of interesting as well. I mean, like, he is married to Tammy Lynn, but having a female Ted seems like the obvious thing as well. Seems like what the sequel should have been, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, and, and Amanda Seyfried is the female John. Like, she wished her doll came to life or something. In the, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, but that, that's the thing. is that I think that's a rule for Ted, is it's like only Ted came to life and no one thinks it's that abnormal no i mean he was a worldwide star i I do like one joke that this would be i would have in it so much more is when people are like where do i know you from Mm. are you that teddy bear that came to life and he's like yeah that's me that yeah i i I love that kind of joke (laughs) but it's i guess it's like it's like if you saw so let's say ted is comparable to someone like warwick davis right okay 
If you saw Warwick Davis walking in the street, you would be like, oh my God, it's Warwick Davis. And he's still a human. <laughs> Ted's, a, Ted's a, 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 an alive, soft toy, you know? And mm. he's walking the streets and people aren't even glancing down at him. Well, I mean, it's I kind of think it's... I, listen, I'm not criticizing. It's a creative decision to make the world of the film work. I'm fine. I, I also think that, that it's like that kind of thing. It's similar to when they first announced Jurassic World, that they were like, mm. the idea we're going for with this is that it's like dinosaurs have been real for a while. What if people were now bored of them. And I like the idea that Ted was a 15 minutes of fame that everyone got kind of bored of. And now he's just, and because yet now he's just some stoner loser and like people around the Boston area would have seen Ted, you know, they're they're bored of him. It's like seeing Woody Allen in New York, apparently. Right. Right. Uh, We're interested in the same things, I think, Richard, because my Continue the Franchise for Ted is a gritty reboot directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. I want to see a Ted film where when Ted is brought to life by a wish, he is not free to live his life, but is instead taken by scientists. Um, But it's not like a gross, like they dissect him kind of thing. It's all very sensitive and they just want to find out what the science behind it is. So the the aim is to like keep him alive because he's just a child at this point. This is in the 80s when he's a little boy. Um, And it's about working out how that works and i want to take seth mcfarlane's like comedic premise here further and be like okay so it's the only like existing piece of magic that exists in the world let's actually see what that looks like at the time and then 20 years later you know like i i want to take it a step more grounded where like you know, as I was saying, like in Ted, if he's walking through the streets, no one even looks down at him. I want it to be, if he's walking through the streets, people are still quite spooked by this. It's still like quite a strange thing to see, even all these years later. Um, yeah. That's my continue of the franchise. It's a gritty, realistic examination of what it would be like if this actually happened. Nice. Love it. Well, now all we've got to do is rank that franchise, Richard, over at letterbox.com. We've got our Culpopsha account uh, in which we have a list that ranks all the franchises we've ever watched. um, And we're going to rank Ted right now. So where do you think Ted lands in? Oh, it's 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 number one. That's what you're going to say. This is our 189th franchise. What's number 69? Number 69 has got to be too high for this, surely. I'm passing franchises as we speak. That I think it's... Happy Feet is number 69. Better than Happy Feet. <laughs> okay, is it better than Men in Black? No. Okay, it's 69. <laughs> All right. Done. Um, cool. That is so not where fucking Ted should go, Richard. I'm looking at this list now. Hey, hey, put hey, it above. Let's, see, let's see how our... People playing right. at home, guessing along. <laughs> we just don't take this seriously anymore. <laughs> Here are films we've put Ted above. Or the franchise we put Ted above. Happy Feet, National Treasure, Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. A pretty good trilogy. We're saying Ted, two bad movies is better than the Bill and Ted movies. Frozen, Airplane. We could have put it next to the movie it's parodying. Yeah, no, it's better than Airplane too late all right everybody thank you for listening to our um very broad discussion of ted seth mcfarlane and familius gaius um we are going to uh be back in two weeks 
with a Christmassy franchise that we're about to find yep. out what it and is. And what um, day and will that podcast be releasing? On Christmas Day itself. Mm. This We didn't mention this. Ted actually opens with a Christmas scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, we happen it's to a land Christmas a franchise. Christmas franchise. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's this is what counts for us as a Christmas franchise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I there's the possibility as well, I believe, that we actually will record that episode in person. And there is a possibility. Good point. Mm. So Which that is going to be that AJ will edit it because oh fuck real, I don't have time to edit it. I... Can you bring a laptop down? I don't have a laptop. Oh fuck! I thought my editing days were over. Um, just, they're only just begun, my friend. If you want to check, I, I believe our next franchise has been selected by our Patreon this fortnight. So, Richard, if you want to go to the Patreon and get that ready, I'll just let people know that if they liked this podcast, and they should follow us on all the places. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Any place you can think of, we're probably there. Um, you can follow. You can jump in our Discord where you can come and chat to us about like why you think Ted is a comedic masterpiece and why I'm wrong and why those offensive jokes. Maybe aren't that offensive. Maybe people need to grow a thicker skin and stop being such snowflakes, Richard. That's what I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, come do that. You can also donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash coldpopshire, where we're getting our next franchise from. Richard, the votes are in. What are we looking at for the next two weeks? So there's a very interesting thing happened here where the, the second place is every adaptation of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. which is not a franchise we don't we got to have sequels we do not recognize that as a franchise mm. but the number one the there was a lot of movement in the last two weeks since this was posted certain mm-hmm. franchises went up certain franchises went down it's a free market economy but the franchise that went up and up and up and stayed up mm. is one that i i'll say it not that interested in (laughs) (laughs) but it's uh the vacation franchise also known as the national lampoons vacation franchise which consists of five theatrical films and one director video spinoff that's not as many as i thought yeah neither Uh, they're also they're playing christmas vacation at uh near me soon when is that Right, so that's there is there are two Christmas Vacation movies, I believe. Yeah, the um, Christmas including, Vacation including, two is the yeah. straight to video spinoff. An interesting franchise to watch, and probably I reckon outside of Die Hard and Home Alone, the last franchise we have, which is like definitively, yeah, yeah, a like a big recognized Christmas entry, mm. I think. So lap it up, everyone, because it's going to be the last truly christmas franchise i think we maybe will ever do yeah. if um, i watch not the including first netflix series and things like that before thursday maybe i'll go see christmas vacation in the cinema i've seen christmas vacation i haven't seen the others yes. um cool so that is coming up at you guys next week stay tuned after this music ends for the post credit scene uh but yeah fucking uh lucky there's a family guy fucking laugh and cry uh because we did a seth MacFarlane franchise the joke has been completed i say we put it to bed i say we stop making family guy jokes from now on what's Richard, a what yeah think? like what's a zach braff franchise we can do Unfortunately, they never made a Chicken Little 2. Which I was actually listening to to a podcast last night where Zach Braff himself was lamenting the lack of a Chicken Little 2. If you watch his Kickstarter video for Wish You Were Here, he claims that it's a spiritual sequel to to Garden State. Yeah, yeah, true. (laughs) I guess he's an Oz the Grand Powerful. 
Yeah, but is that a franchise or is Oz a public domain muddied yeah, situation? It's a spiritual sequel to The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, let's not invite discussions about whether or not <laughs> The Wizard of Oz is a franchise because it's a very messy one. Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it? Today's one comes to us from Vincent DiBiase, who says, if you had to make a documentary right now, what would mm. the subject of it be? It would be about how Family Guy, we pretend it's funny, and that's kind of become its own cultural joke. Uh, and I would be interested in exploring not only that itself, but like, where is the current sense of humor in the world that this kind of thing is funny? Because to find pretending to like Family Guy funny is to acknowledge that there are at least two layers of irony there and I think humanity is headed towards a very esoteric sense of humour a third in the future, layer if that is the, a third layer yeah what, what about what, you what would you call your documentary I'd call it pretending Family Guy is funny that's boring I would do a documentary I've said before I'd love a documentary about Rick Rubin. I find him a very fascinating person and I uh, like hearing him speak. But the... Yeah, I would... uh, Yeah, I mean, if I was to make a documentary right now, uh, to be honest, I would probably team up with one of my journalist friends and do something they're passionate about. I'm doing a lot of work at the moment in uh, the Māori Health Authority, Te Akafaiora, which is about to be shut down by a fucking well there's your documentary right government. there and so it's like yeah with the connections and the current resources i have I probably would be that to be honest and i mean I'm, I'm making little videos which are little mini documentaries for them anyway but yeah i think that i yeah as as a creative and especially like doing documentaries and stuff but well there's it's a two-sided coin because it's like one where it's like I I want to use my privilege of my platform to lift up other voices, mm. but at the same time, it's like, well, why is a white guy doing this story? You know, the classic struggle of the young white artist in twenty twenty three. I understand, <laughs> and that it's not re- a real struggle. <laughs>